So we've been looking at Song of Solomon, and um, we're going to be looking this morning at who is this king. Before we delve into that, just a quick brief reminder. This letter was written, song, poem was written over 3,000 years ago when King Solomon was around, and he wrote this to a Shunammite woman. We don't know her name, but it was one of the peasant ladies that was around at that time, and he wrote this, and it's this kind of um, picture of kind of days of your lives. You know, you don't, you don't really want to know what's going on, but you want to know, and so that's what it is all about, and it's just incredible because it's also an allegory between us and God, between Jesus and the bride, his church. So there's many insights that we can gain from this book, but we have to kind of delve into them to see wh what some of these words actually mean when they're talking about some of the things in this book. So hopefully we'll manage to do that today. And it's awesome to see the king's pursuit of this girl and her pursuit of him. Just how they pursue one another through the chapters of this book and get to know one another really intimately, which is just amazing. So before we get into that, I wanted to just talk about this. I, um, Pastor Carol, a couple of weeks ago was telling us a story about a fish and a monkey. Were any of you here for that story? Do you remember her saying that it wasn't true? She told us that the story about the monkey grabbing the fish out of the water, it wasn't a true story. My story is true. It's about a fish called Nemo. Uh, no, it's not, because that wouldn't be true. Um, don't tell my nieces I said that. This is where my husband took me on our honeymoon to Mozambique, and he did an awesome job. Anyone who's not yet married, start saving now. Um, but he'd, he did an awesome job. We went here, and it was just so much fun. There's, we did loads of um, snorkeling. We did snorkeling in a river. We did, snor we did a night snorkel one night, which was a bit terrifying, but we did it nonetheless. And then we did this other one snorkel during the day, which was going up and down a coral reef that's about a kilometer off the shore. So we stayed in one of those little houses over there, which you can see, which goes straight onto the beach. And we went snorkeling, and this is what happened. We were in a boat, and this guy took us out, and there was another couple in the boat with us and, an, and a family. And the guy said to us, get ready, put on your stuff. So we put things like this on. We put them on, got into the water, but before we got in, he said to us, you need to swim about a kilometer that way, and if you swim a kilometer that way, you're going to see the most awesome things. When you've seen all the most awesome things you want to see, put your hand up, we'll come and fetch you. Scary. We'll come and fetch you when you've had enough in the boat, put you back in the boat and take you back to shore. Because swimming a kilometer from there back. And he also said, stay this side of the um, coral reef. Don't go on this side because the waves get a bit hectic. So we listened to all these instructions and we all got out of the boat all at the same time and started going and doing our stuff. So Ellen and I swam together and we swam all the way along and we really did see some amazing things on this coral reef. We found Nemo. He's great. Dory's also fine. So don't worry about all of them, they're all good. We saw just the most amazing things. Put our hand up at the end, we got back into the boat afterwards, and we were all kind of sharing our stories, you know, like Mike tries to do with his soccer. But we were all sharing our stories about what did you see, it was so amazing, did you see this starfish, did you see this little guy? And this one family that was sitting in the boat were looking at ourselves and this other couple with these really blank expressions on their faces. And we couldn't work out why, and they were being really quiet. And eventually we found out, because they told us, that they'd swum the wrong way. Instead of going a kilometer that way, they'd started swimming that way. And all that they had seen was sandbank after sandbank after sandbank. In other words, it's like they'd snorkeled on the beach, not in the sea. Why am I telling you this story? I'm glad you asked. Because later that day, 
Alan went off kayaking in the sea and I was sitting with Jesus and I just felt like, I was kind of contemplating what had happened and I felt like he said this to me, there are so many aspects and facets to his love that we haven't even yet begun to scratch the surface of. I mean, this is just one coral reef that's one kilometer long in one tiny part of an ocean that he created. And he was comparing that to his love and he was just saying to me, Sam, there's so much, so many aspects of my love, so much of my character that I'm still going to reveal to you. And just, it, it was like he was saying, be obedient, listen to who's telling you which way to go, don't be like that other family, <laughs> and you'll see the most amazing things. And I was like, That's, that just feels so nice, it feels so awesome in my heart to be hearing this stuff. And we loved it, we really, really did. It was just amazing that that, that family actually found us later on when we were walking to dinner, and they said to us, we'll pay for you to go again, <laughs> and we'll follow you, and you can show us where you saw all these amazing things. And I thought to myself, dude, you don't need to pay us. You just need to listen to the instructor. Like he's been doing this for a while. There's a reason why he's there, you know? <laughs> but that was the favor. We almost got to go again. We, unfortunately, we left the next day, but we almost got to go again. And guys, there's just so much of God's love. There's, when we're looking at who is this king, there's so much to see. But you know what I've realized as well is that there's something that stops us seeing some of what God's got for us. Imagine if I'd had these on and I hadn't done what you're supposed to do. Do you know that you're supposed to spit in your snorkels? I mean, in your, in your things, these. Your goggles, thank you, that's the word. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. You're supposed to spit inside your goggles. Did you know that? So that they don't mist up when you're in the, under the water. Because guess what you see if your goggles mist up under the water? You don't see nada, nothing. You don't see anything. You're seeing a blurry vision of what might or might not be something that might or might not be a starfish. You don't see properly. And it talks about earlier on in Song of Songs that she, the, the Shulamite woman's writing and she says, do not stare at me because I am dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. But then she realizes that there's this veil and she says this, I long, it is you I long for with no veil between us. The thing about a veil is this, and I've got one here. We use this for a photo thing on our wedding day. I've still got it. I don't need the birthday, man. We're married now. <laughs> the thing about a veil is this, and if you can, even, even if you look, you can see it. A veil conceals what is behind it, but it also, it also prevents what is behind it seeing clearly. So it works both ways. So as much as we're saying, God, I want to be able to see you and all these things, if we're veiled, we're not seeing him clearly. We're seeing him through the wrong kind of glasses, if you like. They're all a bit misted up. And these are some of the things that I feel like are things in our hearts that keep us from seeing God clearly. So if we're going to look at who this king is, there's some things we need to recognize might prevent us from seeing him clearly. And these are some things, shame, sin, self-righteousness, past, disobedience, pain. If we're sitting with any of those kinds of woundedness in our heart and we're not allowing God to deal with those things, we're seeing him through lens which is not an accurate lens. So what does that mean? It means that we need a relational realness with our Father. <laughs> we need to be relationally real so that we're looking at him through eyes that are not veiled through eyes that haven't got these lenses on them. And there's only two ways that we can look at God through these. And this is to be authentic and to be honest. 
What does honesty mean? Honesty means this. I'm not going to try and hide who I am and how I'm feeling. Because guess what? He knows anyway. <laughs> he knows anyway. I had something horrible happen to me last year, and I went through a period of just going through this place of kind of saying, God, I feel so angry at you right now. I feel like you've disappointed me. I feel like I've been hurt by you. And some of you are going, how can you say that to God? Because I'm being honest. Because <laughs> he already knows how I was feeling. So why can I not be honest with him and say, this is how I'm feeling? This is what, is, that is what it feels like in my heart. Somebody once said that, on, that true, that worshiping God is when we actually come to him in honesty. That's when he feels most worshiped. <laughs> you know, it talks about in the Bible, worship him in spirit and in truth. Being honest about what we're feeling, about who we, who we feel like we are. And the authentic part is this. God made you to be you in his image, of which there are so many facets to it. So why do we spend half of our life trying to be somebody else? We look at other people and we go, God, if only I could sing like that person. If only I could dress like that person. If only I was skinny like that person. If only I had hair like that person. <laughs> if only I had hair. You know, <laughs> we're trying to be somebody else. And God, God wants us to get to this place where we're looking at him through complete honesty and authenticity. Because then we can actually see who he really is. That's, that's, we have to lay down our preconceived ideas of who we are. And just say, God, this is me. This is who I am. I had people that tried to tell me off last year when I told them, <laughs> when I told them that I'd said to God that I was angry. Oh, how can you say that? I'm like, God's big enough to take that. He's big enough to deal with my anger. He's big enough to deal with your disappointment. He's big enough to, feel, to deal with the fact that you feel like you didn't get the right job and it's his fault. He's big enough to deal with it. So why not just be honest and tell him that that's how you feel? Have you read the Psalms? David... I mean, I wasn't as honest as that, but David was like brutally honest. He was brutally honest with God, and yet God called him a man after his own heart because he was worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And this is what God does is we bring him our brokenness, and he gives us divine forgetfulness. You know that thing, <laughs> that thing that you're always reminding him of? God, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I was last night, you don't know what sorts of things I've done, the sorts of things I've said, the way I feel in my heart, even if it's something I haven't said. If we've repented of that stuff, God's like, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what that is. But God, don't you remember when I was little, this and that? I'm sorry, I don't remember. He brings divine forgetfulness so that we can move on, so that we can see him clearly. So we're going to be looking today at this verse in in the Song of Songs, and before we do, let's pray. It's always a good thing to do that. Father God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for, Lord God, your spirit here among us. Father God, I just pray this morning that, Lord, you'll open our hearts, that you'll reveal more of who you are to us in our hearts, that we have a clearer understanding of you, a clearer understanding of who we are in you. We just ask this right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So I find it very difficult to read Song of Songs just from one point of view, because it's kind of wherever God tells us something about him, it directly affects us. Have you noticed that about God? Like even this morning in worship, <laughs> we were telling God how great he was and what was he doing in return. I don't know what, what he was telling you, but he was telling me how great I am, you know? 
<laughs> don't know if he was telling you the same thing. So when we read Song of Songs, there's, there's almost this thing of like, he says this, which means this about us, you know? So it says this in um, Song of Songs 2 verse 3, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. And all of you go, huh? <laughs> I did when I first read it. I was like, Lord, what are you talking about? That's not the kind of apple tree we're talking about. Just all of you MacBook people, it's not that kind of an apple tree. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. This Shunammite woman is talking about how this amazing king that she's had some interactions with is like an apple tree among the other trees. What is she saying? She's saying that she's recognized that she cannot get from all these other things what she can get from God. The Bible tells us he's the only begotten son. There isn't another one coming. There wasn't one before. <laughs> he's the only one. And I don't know about you, but if you look, that's, that's kind of what the landscape, if it was a woodland in, in Israel, looks like that, like that. I don't know about you, but if you look at that and you think to yourself, if I had to take you and drop you in that, in that wood, I know that Karen would probably be really excited. The adventurer in her would be like, yes, let me add it. Where's a mountain I can climb? But some of us, unless we're Bear girls or Bear girls is anywhere near us, we'd be thinking, what do I do now? Like, I might be able to make a bed, <laughs> you know? But that's about all I can do because uh, there's nothing to eat. Uh, you know, which tree can I eat? Which tree can't I eat? How do I sustain myself in this environment? She's saying that you can't. That unless there's an apple tree in the midst of all of that, you can't. That's the thing that sustains us. That's the thing that gives us what we need in this environment. And I'm... I want, to, I want to say that I, I feel like when I was asking God, what does this mean, that he told me, he reminded me about how he's our royal redeemer. <laughs> Why do I say royal? Well, a couple of weeks ago, there was a wedding. Pippa Middleton got married. Do you all know who Pippa Middleton is? Pippa Middleton is the sister of Kate Middleton, right? Nobody knew who Pippa Middleton was un until Kate Middleton got married, and then she wore that stunning white dress. And then all of a sudden, everyone knew who Pippa Middleton was. And Harry was making eyes at Pippa. See, it's a bit like Song of Songs. You know, the one's making eyes at the other one. But nothing ever came of it. Now she's good and getting, got married a couple of weeks ago. She's not royal. Yet, when I googled Pippa Middleton's wedding, a third of what I found was pictures of Pippa Middleton getting married. That's what you'd expect to find, wouldn't you? And the other third of the pictures that I saw when I Googled it was pictures about the dress that she wore at Kate's wedding when Kate and William got married. So it's, it wasn't even her wedding. It was the royal's wedding that she's now associated with. And the other third of the pictures, guys, were pictures of Kate Middleton with her children or with Prince William. They had nothing to do with Pippa Middleton at all. But because there was royalty represented at her wedding, guess where the focus was? The focus was on the royalty. That's where our focus needs to be. Our focus needs to be on the royalness that we get given because of who Jesus is. We just get given it. We get handed it. There are only two ways that you can become royal. Either you are born into royalty or you marry into royalty. 
Kate Middleton married into royalty. She is now royal. Prince William, he was born as a royal. He has been groomed since he was a baby at some point to take over as the King of England. How many of you are royal? Well done. You, more people got this in this service than in the first one. Well done. Guys, you should all have put your hand up <laughs> because we're all royalty. It's who we are. Not only have we been born into royalty by saying yes to Jesus, but we've also been married into it. He's coming back as the bridegroom to us as the bride. I know some of you men find that a bit difficult. Just go with it, okay? We have to be sons as well, so just, just go with the flow. Get rid of the gender stuff. That's who we are. And guess what royalty gives us? <laughs> to be able to prove that you are royal, you have to do one of those two things, right? It has to be either birth or married into it. But the reason why it's important to prove this, you know in Matthew it talks about the lineage of, of Jesus going back to David. The reason why it's important to prove royalty is because it gives us access to certain things. Are you ready for this? It gives us access to the claim on land. What does Jesus tell us? Every place you put your foot. <laughs> what does he tell us? Every single place that you put your foot has been claimed for him. Gives us access to land. The other thing it gives us is a right to inheritance. Why was this important? Because your possessions, your provisions, and property were all tied to your royal lineage. Possessions. Everything that Jesus said. Everything I have is yours. He told us that. Provision. I have all you need. <laughs> Isn't it great? And property. He invites us into his banqueting hall. All the time. He's constantly saying come. And it gives us access to all of those things. So there's a fullness to the covenant which I feel like we need to get. We need to grasp what the fullness is of this covenant that we've been let into. Because of the fact that he's our royal redeemer. And the other thing that we get is free access. Note that the Shunammite woman didn't talk about the apple tree being in an orchard or being in a garden. See, if it's in a garden, I have to get permission from the person whose garden it is to be able to go and pick the fruit from the tree. If there's an apple tree in Pastor Andrew's garden, I can't just go and take from it what I want to take from it. I'm getting told off. Okay, <laughs> I would have to ask permission, and, and I know that the Gosmans would say yes, but I would have to ask permission to go, I can't just go and take it. If it's in my garden, I can, but if it's in someone else's garden, I need to ask permission. If the, God, if the apple tree is being grown in an orchard, where there's tree upon tree upon tree, somebody else has planted that, somebody else has cultivated it, somebody else has put in the hard work, I don't get to just go and reap it. What is Jesus saying? that he is the apple tree in this wood. A wood is free access, public land. Anyone can go into it. You can go and take as much of that apple tree as you want. That's what he's saying. We get complete free access to everything that is his because of what he's given us. Isn't that great? It is. Praise the Lord. The other thing that it says is, I delight to sit in his shade. My husband... My husband's family are farmers in Muscle Bay, and they have sheep. And it always amazes me how whenever we drive down this one road where the sheep are in a pen, at midday, when it's the hottest time of the day, they're all crammed together, which you'd think would make them even hotter because they're sheep, right? It's woolly. 
they all cram, cram, cram together under the tiniest bit of shade that they can find because they're trying to get some shelter from the sun. The amazing thing is that in chapter one of this book, this Shunammite woman asks the king, she says this, where do you feed your flock and rest them at noon? Where do you feed them? Where do you take your sheep to go and rest them at noon? Where's that place of rest? And his reply is this, follow the path that the sheep walk. It's in uh, chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, I think. What is that telling us? Be obedient. <laughs> Do the journey. Follow the path. Those guys on the boat with us that went the wrong way, <laughs> they were not listening to the voice of the one who knew where the right direction was. They went the wrong way. There's a path that we can follow that takes us to this place. And where does it take us to? It takes us, oh, delighting. I did this in the first service as well, I forgot. Lord, <laughs> what does delight look to you, church? Does delight like, <laughs> feel like that? I love that baby's face. This was uh, my niece yesterday. She had a swimming pool party. She goes to swimming lessons. I saw that picture while I was doing my slides yesterday, and I thought, I've got to chuck that in there. That's just complete delight and abandonment, isn't it? Or does it look a bit surprised when you're delighted? I'm going to speak someone's love language with this next one. Is that what brings you the most delight? And some men, this is just for you. Oh, yeah, now they wake up. Look at them. <laughs> That's a Maserati, I think. Yeah, someone's going, yes, it is. What is it that brings you the most delight? This woman is saying, I delight to sit in his shade. She needs somewhere to rest at noontime. And what she's saying is, God, you are my refuge and my rest. That's the place where I find my delight, is sitting in that place. God is our refuge and strength, it says in Psalm 46. Always ready to help in times of trouble. That's what his promise is. Always ready to help in times of trouble. It also brings us to this place where we don't have to strive. <laughs> So many of us, myself included, still try to remind Jesus every day of some good stuff we've done. You know, it's like, Lord, I'll, I'll do this if I can just have one more apple, you know. Or maybe, maybe if I plant a tree in the forest next to the apple, maybe if I do a good deed. God, don't you remember that I smiled at that taxi driver that swerved in front of me this morning? You know, was it a smile or was it clenching your teeth? I don't know, but, you know... <laughs> Our striving ceases in the place of being delighted in him. Our striving ceases completely because we can't do anything to earn it. Guys, you can't do anything to earn it. It's already all been done. It's like, it's like owing a billion doll dollars. Let's go dollars, not even rands. It's like owing a billion dollars to somebody. And Jesus comes and says to you, your debt is canceled. It's gone. It's completely canceled. There's no way you can even try to pay it back. It's not like you're going to make a better apple tree. The apple tree that's there is the best it can be. And the other thing that happens when we sit in his shade is it's that place of just complete trust. That word, sit in his shade, speaks about settling. It speaks about dwelling in that place. In that place of just his presence. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden where God delighted to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. 
It's the same word, delight. It's exactly the same word. Scarily, that word delight is also exactly the same word when Eve wanted to take the fruit of the tree and she saw delight in it because she thought it would give her wisdom. And she took the tree of the tree of the fruit of the tree she wasn't supposed to take. It's that same word. But here God is saying that we get to be sitting in that place because He's our refuge and our rest. <clears throat> He's that place. We don't need to take stuff that's not um, that's that's kind of man-made. Like He's that place. He's that place where, where our heart gets to settle. And there's a beautiful Scripture in Psalm 37, and this is taken from the Passion Translation, which talks about this. Keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in His eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure. Feasting on His faithfulness. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. And as you trust Him along the way, you'll find this. He pulled it off perfectly. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't forget about any of us. He didn't think, oh, you know, there's going to be one apple too short on the tree. He pulled it off perfectly. Our royal redeemer did all that he needed to do so that we can be all that we need to be. We can go to him completely unveiled. Isn't that great? And the last part of this verse talks about his fruit being sweet to my taste. And to me, this just speaks about Jesus being our refreshing reward. When you look at those words, refreshing reward, <laughs> he refreshes us, but the reward part, it's like we still try to earn. We, wa we don't recognize always that the reward that we get, we get whether we perform or not. Do you hear what I'm saying? Our striving has ceased, so we get that reward. We get an eternal reward. We get to eat from the tree of life. We don't have to strive to get there. And it's refreshing. His fruit sustains us and it satisfies our heart. That's what it does. <laughs> There's nothing else that can satisfy us. Only He is our refreshing reward. Have you tried, I know I have, when you've had a hard day or something bad has happened, to find your refreshing or your reward somewhere else? And it doesn't ever work. And if it does, it's not for a very long time. <laughs> it's like a very short-lived moment of refreshing. But in him, we get this refreshing, which is eternal. It lasts forever. We can eat as much of that fruit as we want. The Bible says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> and that to me speaks of the fruits of his spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All those things that we hear about. I've been having physio for my back because my back's been sore, and I've been having physio for the last few weeks, and it amazed me a couple of weeks ago, I went in to the physiotherapy department, and the one secretary was saying to the other one, she said, this is the one I was telling you about, and she was pointing to me, and I was like, what have I done wrong? You know, default, shame, <laughs> what did I do wrong? And she said, this is the one I was telling you about, and I looked at her, and I said, babe, what are you talking about? So she said to me, no, I was just telling this other lady how I know that you're in a huge amount of pain, but the only thing that we ever see coming from you is joy and laughter. Guys, that wasn't me. <laughs> if my friends know me and my husband knows me, I wasn't joy and laughtering much when my back was excruciating sore. I've had to repent for not being joyful and laughtering enough in the last few weeks. But to other people, this is, this is what they saw. 
Because guess what? If I'm abiding in Jesus, if I'm settling in that place of refreshing reward, I don't have to try to bear fruit. I don't have to think to myself, okay, I'm going to the physiotherapist, and you, you need to be happy, you need to be joyful, forget about the pain, and walk in, and then just try and be joyful and try and be happy. Fruit comes from a tree without the tree exerting energy to produce. It's like a, an apple tree doesn't have to sit there and be like, oh, I need to make an apple, I need to make an apple, I need to make an apple. It just does it. If I need love and I've been dwelling in that place and delighting in him, guess what? If I need to exhibit love, it's there. <laughs> I don't have to try to do it. It's just there. And, the, and I know when I'm not exhibiting the fruit that I should be exhibiting that I need to get with Jesus. Real quick. Before I say something or do something, I'll regret. So I want to challenge us all. If you find yourself that the fruit that you're exhibiting isn't the fruit that Jesus says is ours and we've got free access to, that we need to get with him more, that we need to delight in him, that we need to sit down in that shade so that we, we make him our refreshing reward, so that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. Always good, all the time. <laughs> Have you ever been to a really, really amazing restaurant where you feel like, oh, we need to tell people about this because the food is so good? Our friends of, friends of myself and some friends went to a restaurant just around the corner from our Rosebank Church during the conference that we'd not been to before. And it was so great that we ended up eating there, I think, two nights in a row. And I nearly went back there last week with my husband on date night. He's, he's going to get there, but... But it was just amazing. This restaurant, the food, the flavors in just one, seriously, guys, the flavors in this one bite full of food, Zarina's nodding her head because she was there with me, were amazing. Ask me afterwards, I'll tell you what the restaurant is. I'm just going to ask them for commission first. <laughs> but this is the thing about eating something good, is that you want to tell other people about it. It's a place of saying, guys, guess what? <laughs> so I was able to say to these physiotherapist secretaries, what you're seeing is not me. That's just Jesus. I don't know how much of Jesus they know, but I was just able, it was an open door for me to just say, that was Jesus. It's not me. Because it's not my fruit that you're seeing. <laughs> it's the fruit of the Spirit dwelling within me, and it's because I get to delight in Him and sit in His shade. It's because He's given me free access to all of that stuff. That's why I get to do it. And the awesome thing about this, this, that word taste up there is it actually talks about the palate. And I'm going to close with this. It talks about the palate. It talks about how your palate is good for certain things. I don't know. Any of, I, I, used to be a, a, I used to drink a little bit of white wine, and then I just went off the white wine, and now I'm in the Gosman camp of the red wine. My palate changed. I didn't used to like it at all. I used to like have a sip and it would be disgusting. Olives are the same. I used to hate olives. Now I buy olives in like kilogram bottles, you know? Fish I won't buy in any kind of a bottle because I don't like it at all. It does not like me. We don't like each other. Amen. I have a friend. Praise God. But guys, our palate changes in the natural. And guess what? The more we delight in his shade the more we get exposed to the fact that he's our redeemer, our palate changes. That's why we don't like sin after a while. It's like, I don't want to even do that stuff. Our palate changes. Our desire for the things of the kingdom, our desire for the fruits of the spirit is what is desirable to our palate, and that's what we go after. Amen. So this is what we learned from 
from this verse is that being relationally real will take us into this place of our royal redeemer giving us free access to his royal inheritance. He's our refuge and rest, a place like home where striving ceases and he's our refreshing reward. The fruit of his spirit is ours for the picking and for sharing. I want us to close our eyes. Thank you, Lord. I just want to give anybody an opportunity here who maybe you've been listening to this and you, you don't really know who this person is that I've been talking about, but he sounds awesome because he is. <laughs> and I want to just give us an opportunity to respond to that. So if you're here this morning and you've never really said yes to this Jesus, you've never really said yes to this King to take residence in your heart, then I want to just give you an opportunity to do that this morning. So with every eye closed, if that's you, why don't you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you this morning. Is there anyone here who wants to do that? Anyone at all? Thank you, Lord. The next question that I want to ask is this. Some of us find it difficult to feel unveiled with Jesus. We find that there are things that are holding us back from being completely honest and authentic with him. And if that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. So if you are falling into that category, will you raise your hand, please? I just want to pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can I ask those few people that just raised their hand now, won't you just stand where you are? I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'd just love for you to stand where you are. And if you're near any of these people, won't you lay hands on them, please? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I pray for each of these that are standing now, Lord. And I just ask, Father God, that you would, Father God, just your spirit of truth, your spirit of revelation, Father God, that you would just rest on them and encamp about them now, Lord God. Father, we just come against every lie that is saying to them that they're not worthy of it or that they can't. Just be honest and authentic with you, Father God. Whatever that is, Lord God, we just remove the veil of shame off of them right now in Jesus' name. And Lord God, I ask that you would speak truth to their hearts, truth that they are loved, truth that they are worthy, truth that they are worth it, Father. <laughs> truth that they haven't done anything wrong, Lord God. Father God, even the truth that it's not their fault. In Jesus' name, Lord God. And Lord, I ask that you would just lavish your love on them right now, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And family, I'm going to ask if all of us can stand. I want to just do one last thing before we close today. You know, there's a knowing him better, which is our portion. <laughs> it's our inheritance. And the more we hang out with him, the more we hang out with dad, the more we hang out with Jesus, the more we hang out with Holy Spirit, the better we get to know him. That means that when we see him, we see him more clearly. And we recognize that he sees us more clearly. He sees us clearly anyway, but we don't always recognize that. There's a knowing him better, which is just such an awesome thing. And I just want to pray for us to do that. So wherever you are this morning, however you've received from God, why don't you just show that, you were, that you're wanting to receive from him this morning. Hand on heart, hands raised, hands down, whatever it looks like to you. God knows your heart. Father God, I just want to ask right now for a grace to rest on every single one of these, Lord, that, that we would learn more and more, Father God, what it feels like to settle into your presence, Lord. 
Lord, that we would feel like what it, what, what, it, what it feels like, Father God, to just know you more, Lord God. Like knowing, like knowing, like knowing, Lord. Father, that there's nothing that you're holding back from us. Sometimes we feel like you're holding stuff back. That we're being punished for something. But God, we know that that's not you. So God, we repent of that mindset, Lord God. And Father, we just say right now, Lord God, that we trust you. That we know you, Father. That we want to know you better, Lord God. Come and do in our hearts what it is you want to do, Lord Jesus so that we can know you better and better each day, Lord God. A deep calling unto deep, Father. A true place of honesty and authenticity, knowing who our royal redeemer is, Lord. And for those of us who struggle to find that place of refuge and rest, <laughs> Father God, I pray that you'd show us what it looks like. Rest looks different to all of us, Lord. But it's more about just being able to trust you, Father God. So Lord, I just release right now a grace, Father God, over everyone here, Lord to be able to know what that looks like, Father. And lastly, Lord God, I just ask for a right now a refreshing of your spirit, an indwelling of your spirit. Refresh us, Lord God. Take us to that place, Father God, where what we, what we know of you and what we know about you is so rich and deep within us and dwelling so richly within us, Lord God, that it just pops off of us like ripe fruit, Lord that other people will see it in Jesus' name and experience you. Thank you, Lord.